0: This podcast is brought to you by You're the Best, a celebration of friendship, a collection of essays by the Satellite Sisters, available October 2015 at SatelliteSisters.com or wherever books are sold.
1: We're the Satellite Sisters. We're the Satellite Sisters. I'm Sheila Dolan here with my sisters, Liz, Leon, and Julie.
2: Monica Dolan is in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to You're the Best Encore Interviews from the Satellite Sisters.
3: JJ Abrams is with us. JJ, thank you for being here. Thank
2: you so much for having me. You know Tina Brown, she's an award winning journalist. Tina, welcome to Satellite Sisters. I'm so thrilled to be with you guys. Oh, we love this book. Robin Roberts, we're so thrilled to have you here on Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. You
3: know, Liz, my sister would have busted me like that too.
2: (laughs) Welcome to You're the Best. Encore
3: interviews. Encore interviews from the Satellite Sisters. From the Satellite Sisters. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here with my sister Liz, and this is our special interview series in celebration of our new book, You're the Best Encore Interviews. We called through the Satellite Sisters archives hundreds and hundreds of interviews we've done over the past 15 years, and we're bringing you some of our favorites from the past. And really, the criteria, Liz, was just we recalled these interviews being fun and friendly and in the spirit of Satellite Sisterhood. And today we talked to Melody
2: Hobson. Yeah, Melody was one of those guests that we would have back from time to time. Sometimes somebody would come in and we would only ever get them once, you know, like Peggy Fleming, <laughs> only only stopped by once. But Melody, we talked to from time to time. She is running Aerial Capital in, I believe that was in Chicago, right, but also was the GMA personal finance person. She has gone on to marry George Lucas since this time. <laughs> yes, I know. So, so I would like to check in with Melody again sometime soon on Satellite Sisters. Uh, but this was a conversation that I really remembered because it was about friendships and money.
0: Ah. And you know,
2: we all remember or we all know that sometimes money can totally get in the way of your friendships. But. Other times, and she kind of takes this position at a certain point in this conversation, like you need to be there for your friends. Uh, so understanding the difference between when you should be there for the, your friends and when you're not, um, that that's what this conversation was really about. And uh, so Sheila is in on this. Julie is in on this. Uh, we have a caller in on this. Remember back in the day when we would take calls? During I know. It <laughs> always surprises me during so, these interviews when someone calls in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so someone calls in here with the whole issue of money secrets, which is another re- reason why I remembered this one so well. And this is a question about a husband and wife keeping money secrets from each other. And the thing I love about Melody Hobson, every time we talked to her, she was just so straight, so logical. So, you know, think about it this way, just really productive and helpful, you know, and the one of her big messages here you'll hear in this interview about the most important thing with money is to get straight with the most important thing with money is to get straight with who you are. And that message really stuck with me. And I, as I listened to it again, I was like, yeah, one thing I always, we always sensed about Melody Hobson is She was just always straight with who she is. Yeah. 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 That's I, it's, it's been fun to listen to these interviews again. This is Melody Hobson on satellite sisters talking about friends and
1: money money, money, money. makes people upset, Liz.
2: Right, I know. And I think we're all involved in friendships with people who either have more money than we do or less money than we do. And it can really create some friction. That's why this jumped out at me, a column at abcnews.com by Melody Hobson. And you know, Melody's been with us before. She's the president of Aerial Capital Management in Chicago and she's also the personal finance expert for ABC News. And Melody, one of the things you say, don't let money problems end a friendship. How often do you think that really happens? Is that common?
0: I think it's extraordinarily common. More common than any of us want to admit. And it has to do with just the varying choices that people make in their lives that lead to, oftentimes, very substantial differences. Right, and so
2: these are like friends that you grew up with exactly and childhood or in college, mm-hmm. and now you ended up on different paths, right? But
0: that's no. There's no question about it, and those paths can be distinctly separating in terms of relationships.
2: Right, and so when you try to plan stuff together, what well, you write, though, that really got my attention, I think it's so true, is that the most important thing is to just Make peace with your own situation. Whatever
0: and your level is,
2: you need to accept that, right?
0: That, there's no question about it. And what I've said is you've got to just sort of get straight with who you are. You've made choices. Those choices are reflected in compensation. You know, that old saying goes, money doesn't buy happiness. And you just have to make sure you understand why you made the choices that you did and stop the keeping up the, with the Joneses or comparing to other people. It just is not a healthy endeavor, and it's an endeavor not only that it's unhealthy emotionally, but it'll lead you into the poor house.
2: Oh, no kidding. Sheila, have you ever been in this kind of situation I've been where on, I, you know, I've been in on, over your head with friends?
1: Right. Yeah. No, I've been on both ends. I've been in over my head with people that um, are in a totally different bracket than me, and it's, like, really stressful. And I've tried to keep up, and you can't. But then again, I've also had friends, Melody, that I grew up with who have taken a very different path from me, still in graduate school, perhaps don't have a lot of money. So when I'm with them, I want to treat them. But they take that as it's like... They get
0: all in a huff about it. No one wants to be someone's charity case. It is something that tends to be very offensive to the recipient. And what I've said, you know, it happens in a restaurant all the time. You know, you're, you're oh, with yeah, friend, no kidding, right? it's an expensive restaurant, and somehow one person, you know, sort of feels, you're starting to feel sorry for someone who you know doesn't have a lot of money. And I say the way to counter that is, first of all, on the front end, pick a restaurant that everyone can afford. The only time I think it makes sense to treat friends is around special occasions if it's a birthday if it's an anniversary okay the other thing that it makes a, makes a lot of sense maybe you splurge for something expensive at the dinner like you buy the bottle of wine or you buy the dessert but it's a way of not making people feel like they're a charity case on the flip side if you're the one who has the means sometimes you start to feel abused if everyone thinks that you're going to pay right so yeah, you know does. it can be it's both sides of the equation that can leave everyone sort of in a huff she
2: Julie, have you ever been in this situation, either at the poor end or the rich end? Oh, absolutely. You know, Melody, what I
3: was going to say, it also sometimes plays out with your kids. Like your kids' friends may be wealthier than you. And so, you know, your sons or daughters want to know why they can't have the latest video game or why they can't have some different bicycle or, you know, that's hard.
0: I had a friend who told me that... Uh, because we live in a cashless society for the most part, that she was with her child, and the child said, oh, I want to buy such and such. I have no idea what it was. And the mother said, no, we can't afford that. You know, she was very direct. I, I was proud of her for saying that, because most people sort of feel that that makes them feel less significant. But she, you know, was very straight with her child. And then the child said, put it on a credit card.
3: Right. That's and like and that's great. Right. Yeah. yeah this idea or just that credit go to cards- the ATM machine and get some <laughs> more money, Mom.
0: Credit cards weren't money. But I think you've got to be, you've got to set very clear lines or else you will set a pattern for the rest of your child's life around these issues. They take, children take most of their money experience and money habits from us Uh-oh. and learn them from, their, from parents. <laughs> and so if you don't have good money habits, you can pretty much guarantee whatever stress or concern you feel on a day-to-day basis about trying to either keep up with the Joneses or manage your budget or whatever, you will be passing on to your child and they will be living in that exact same manner.
3: Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support satellite sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, Visit framebridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's
2: framebridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. We're getting excellent advice here from our friend Melody Hobson. You know her. She's the ABC News personal finance expert, so you see her on Good Morning America and World News Tonight. You know, Melody, in your piece at ABCNews.com, what shocked me was some of the math that you did about the keeping up with the Joneses. Like This is a big number, but it's still pretty shocking the way it works out. You write that if you amassed credit card debt of, say, $10,000 this year accompanying your wealthier friends on a ski trip for the winter and a vacation to Hawaii this summer, and you paid only the minimum balance each month, it would take you 26 years to repay the debt. Are
0: you kidding? Wow. That's
2: why the keeping up with the Joneses has got to stop, and it's about you admitting you can't do it, right?
0: Not to mention the interest that you're going to pay, which basically exceeds the original purchases. So it doubles the amount of money that you owe overall. Um, yeah, it's a really, really bad idea. And for whatever reason, people sort of think that, you know, this day will come. I don't have to worry about this for now. They put it off. And I remember myself in college, I, the first time I got a credit card, I got an American Express card, thank God, because you can't carry debt on it. Right. And my friends went skiing in Snowmass. I'd never been skiing before. And I went to the store and got outfitted. <laughs> and then I just did not understand the bill was going to come, (laughs) and people were going to call me for the money. And it was the worst feeling I could possibly imagine. And I got dug out of this hole by a total fluke. And it's almost embarrassing for me to say. Who
1: was it, or what was it?
0: A family member of mine died and left me $2,000. Oh. oh, And Melody. I was like, I mean, on the one hand, you're so grateful, <laughs> but I, I mean, can, can, I, can I tell you the, the mental stress I felt over the whole thing? Like, I got this windfall over this death. And what color <laughs> was the uh, outfit? Do you remember? I no idea. I think I, I, maybe the goggles are somewhere in my closet. That's but you so- know,
2: nobody wants to be the one to admit I don't have as much money as you. So we see it all the time, like in a restaurant situation, Are we just talking? about vacations. Another area where it comes up a lot is when you are, say, involved in a friend's wedding, yeah, Melody. The weddings are killing expensive Weddings get unbelievably expensive. Just if you're, you're, you don't even have to be the bride no. for it to cost you a fortune. How do you handle that if, say, you're the friend to someone who's getting married, and she's got these grandiose plans, and you don't have the grandiose bank no. account? Well,
0: this is the two things that I say about this that are extraordinarily important. First, keep in mind, there comes an age. We've all been through it, or we'll go through it, where the- There's a rash of weddings. And you might go to more than one wedding in one year. Yeah. And that is an extraordinarily expensive proposition. It's sort of like that. I, I almost think it comes in two ways, sort of like the late 20s, and then you see it again in the late 30s. Mm-hmm. And what I say to people is you've got to put it up front with your friends. So if someone, I had a, 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 a niece called me and she said, I'm getting married. I want to get married in Italy. And I said to her right off the bat, I said, it is an unrealistic thing to do to people. Oh, really? Yes. I mean, un- good realistic. for you, Melanie. That okay. is I said it's not right. I said if you want to have a small wedding with five or six people, eight people, ten maybe, you could get married in Italy. But it's not. Pe- it's just. It's an unreasonable request to make a friends and family. That is a big ticket item. The other thing that I say to people is so besides putting it out front, is also to let them know if you can't do it, just say it. Because the people who then flake out later, as the expenses start to pile up, right. that's where you ruin friendships for years. That's oh, my theory. I do Sheila, you're the
1: late flaker outer. Oh, totally. Yeah, Yeah. I mean because you get you get you get sucked into it and you feel your responsibility. And then it's a bit, you know, as you really, the plane and the, and the dress and the, right, and the, the bachelorette gift.
0: party, whatever it might be, it starts to add up. And then you start to realize, I can't do this. Oh, I can't go to the bachelorette party. I can't do, I can't do that. And then suddenly the people get bitter. Yeah. So I think on the front, it's better to say, I am honored. I would love to be in your wedding more than anything, but I've been in another wedding this year, or I just can't pony up. Now, this is the last part that I would say. Mm -hmm. I think it's incumbent on the bride and groom. If they're trying to do something special, fancy, special dresses, this, that, and the other, then if they want this wedding of their dreams, then they're going to have to underwrite some of that. All, yeah. right. All right. Take the pes- pressure off of people in that regard. If you really want your friends there and you're not willing to compromise on some of these items that are extraordinarily expensive, then you have to be in the position to say, I'm paying for that.
2: If you've had these kinds of issues in your life, give us a call. Our number is 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. Melody Hobson is with us and she's got some really good practical down to advice about how to negotiate sticky social situations where some friends have more or less money than other friends. Julie, have you dealt with any of this lately? Yeah, I, I have. You know, the thing is, don't you feel like you're like a wet blanket,
3: though, if you say no, I can't come or I can't do it. It's too expensive. That's the part that I you know, that I feel uncomfortable that you're wrecking other people's fun. Well, that, want-
0: That's your guilt coming out, Julie. Yes, right. it, it is. The question of are you going to wreck other people's fun? Or are you going to be bankrupt one day?
2: Okay, see, Melody, the frame frames it up
0: perfectly well. And your friends don't want you to be bankrupt either.
2: Well, they don't really care. But no, you're right. They probably (laughs) do. No, they
0: really don't. Because then they start to think she'll come to me.
2: Melody Hobson is on the phone with us from her office at Ariel Capital Management in Chicago. She's also ABC News' personal finance expert. So you see her on Good Morning America and World News tonight. And Melody, you always give us good, solid, straightforward advice. So what's the scoop on this? Is it ever a good idea to loan a friend money?
0: I have to say yes on that. I mean, I think that's what friends are for. You're there to be there for the other person. Oh, All right, good. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting answer. I don't think that's a bad idea, and I think absolutes on that. that I think that that makes for um, a very uncomfortable situation when the person asks you. I always tell people if someone has the courage to ask, you have to remember they probably really need it. Yeah. And so what I say is generally what you want to keep in mind is you don't lend what you can't afford. That just has to be rule number one. Mm-hmm. You have to have... Have to factor in what if you never get the money back? Does that break you? That's rule number two. Okay. Should you
2: just assume that? Okay, if I never get it back, that uh, you never lend more than that. Did you assume right. that uh, when uh, <laughs> ten years ago, Liz? I mean, we've never talked about it. <laughs> Sheila, I knew I, I I bailed Sheila out of a little debt she got into after her divorce. Melody, there were some credit card bills that had gone unpaid for about a year, uh-huh. and Sheila, I never expected to get that money Liz, back. Thank and, you. And I and I haven't, have I? <laughs>
0: Why well, I to tell you, Still no, I, again, friends. even though you don't necessarily expect to get it back, you consider it, it may end up being a donation, I do think that you want to walk into it with as professional a relationship as possible to take the, if it's at all possible, the friend out of it. So what I mean by that is document the loan. Now, I'm not talking about a few hundred dollars, but if it's a significant amount of money to you, I don't know if that's a $1,000 or 50000 whatever it might be, it's a good idea to write it down. That way, both parties know that they've made an agreement. Uh, And just writing it down is very simple. You put both of your names, you put the date, you put the amount, you put the terms, what the interest is, what the repayment uh, plan is going to be. You both sign it, you make a copy and you each take one. Now I'll tell you one other really great reason for documenting it. If for some reason the person doesn't pay you back, then you can write off the loan.
1: Oh really? Oh.
0: Right.
2: So, so even I, uh, what's the statute of limitations on that? Can I, <laughs>
0: is, is Ten can years I ago, get too long. It? I can't say what the... Well, first of all, you didn't document it at the time. Yeah. Well,
1: so. I gave you the paper bag
0: filled with bills list. <laughs> exactly. It was
1: sitting in the middle of my living room. I gave it to you. So
2: I had the evidence. <laughs> Sheila clearly established what the number was. <laughs>
0: The other thing I say is when you make that commitment, if for some reason you're the borrower and yeah. you cannot live up to the commitment you've made in terms of the repayment plan, it might be monthly, it might be you're paying back in one lump sum, go and renegotiate before it's due. You know, sort of say this isn't going to work. Can we relook at the terms? That is going to give the other person a really great sense that you're handling this in a very professional manner, just like you would do if you were a bank. Keep yeah. it straight money up from a bank. Okay. But exactly. do
2: friends really do
3: that? See, act that professional? A lot of times they don't. Well, Not I melody. think that's
0: part of the reason when this happens, it becomes a major breaking point for friends and family because they haven't documented. And then you can say to the person, you know, you made this commitment to me. A yeah. number of times. I I have lent money to people, and they say they say they forgot that I lent them the money.
1: Oh no, no, no! So and document if you had
0: it. Some documentation you could just say, "Oh, remember this piece of
1: paper." Right. For you? Here's when we did it, and here's and how then much.
0: Also, you won't be bitter. Yeah. You know, because oh, yeah. what happens is when you don't get repaid, yeah. or the person never mentions it just again, you it so... And Every time they have something new, they, you know, a coat, shoes. Exactly. exactly. I've had
2: that happen like, to me. It's
0: my coat. Yeah. You know?
2: Liz, <laughs> I, didn't, back my I coat. didn't buy
1: anything for two years. So she just, yeah. uh, yes, believe me, okay. I know. You but know, we
2: do. We do have a call from Michelle, yeah, on, Michelle on a related question. She's right, about she,
1: to, Michelle, you're about to go into a situation with your sister. What do you want to do and what do you need Melody's help with? Well,
2: Melanie, I wanted to run this idea by you. Um, I make considerably more money than my sister. In the past, I've tried to help
0: out she and her husband, um, different things. When they buy their home, we try to pay for the inspection and different things, and they won't take the money from us. So my husband and I were trying to think of creative ways to give it to her without being known, and we thought about maybe calling her pastor or clergyman, giving it anonymously. well, the, the clergyman would know that it was from us, but to give it to my sister and her husband. All right.
2: What do you think, Melody, subterfuge when you're giving money to your sister?
0: I I wouldn't go that path. I think you've got to keep these things on the up and up because the one thing that I found when you have money secrets, the secret usually comes out. And a woman come to me very recently who said her husband, unbeknownst to her, gave her best friend a loan for (gasps) $100,000 with the promise that he would never speak of it to his own wife. He never wow. spoke of it. And then the, the, the best friend never paid him back. And one day he was so bitter he mentioned it in passing. So now the wife is pissed off. Wow. The husband is upset. The friend is persona non grata. They start counting up all the vacations they've been on with the guy. You know, it turns into a nightmare. So yeah. I say you've got to keep these things on the up and up, these kind of secrets, the sort of clandestine attempts to do things for people. It doesn't work. It will end up the pastor will say something by accident. Or one day someone will slip. It might be on a deathbed. But it's just not a good idea. Oh, boy.
2: Okay. Whoa. No kidding. All right. Melody, thank you so much for
3: your advice. Thanks for listening. You're the best. For more You're the Best Encore interviews or
2: Satellite Sisters podcasts, go to Satellitesisters.com or iTunes. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. Call your Satellite Sister. Call your Satellite Sister.